you want to turn your Bible this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We won't be here very long this morning. It's the goal to, to come together and enjoy some time together and, and, and fellowship together. And, and, and I, don't, I don't believe we'll be here very long, but I do pray that it would be a very fulfilling few minutes. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse number 50, says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Now, I know a lot of you said, man, is he confused. That's the passage you use at funerals when you're trying to give comfort to somebody that just lost a loved one. What in the world are we doing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on, on Christmas Eve morning? Well, just hold on. Just hold on. Just, just listen to the message. God's got something in here for us. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The Bible says... That in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. That word swallowed up means to be, to be gulped or to be devoured in its entirety all at one time. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I want to look for just a few minutes this morning at a message entitled, The Greatest Gift. Father, thank you so much for being so good. God, if we did nothing but spent the rest of this morning saying thank you, it wouldn't be enough. God, thank you for your blessings. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for loving us in spite of us. God, I pray this morning, would you, sweet Holy Spirit, move in this place? Would you help us to walk out of here energized, having been touched? God, if you don't show up, it means nothing. God, I pray you'd help us to be pleasing to you, Father. Will you move in this place? We love you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You know, I've told you before, sometimes God gives me a title. And you take a title and you begin to work and you build a message from a title. Sometimes God gives me a message and you take a message. And sometimes you, you'll complete a message and you're going back through looking. You're trying to, to come up with a title. Well, it was about two and a half weeks ago. And y'all know riding in the car is a, is a great time to talk to the Lord, right? Especially since you can't use your phone anymore. So, so any time riding, and I've made a couple trips down to South Alabama lately. It's, it's two hours, 45 minutes one way. Just to be honest, just to kind of disconnect some. It's our little bitty house. It's about the size of my pickup down there. It's, it's where my family's from. And just it gives me riding time. And then it's just some alone time with the Lord. And to be honest, I was looking ahead, about two and a half weeks ahead, to Christmas Eve. I was looking ahead to this day, and I was like, Lord, I, I would love... I would, I would love to, to preach something positive to you people. But I, I, would, love, I would love to have something encouraging, something, something that, that would send us home just strengthened and, and ready to enjoy the, the Christmas season. Father, I'll preach whatever you tell me to. You want me to preach on hellfire and, and, and damnation? I'll preach whatever you tell me to. But it would be awesome to, to, to preach something of encouragement on the 24th. And I'm riding it, and the Lord gave me a title. 
the greatest gift. I was like, man, that's awesome. So you love the idea of being able to talk to your phone. Isn't that awesome where technology's at? Talk to your phone and open it to your notebook and, and put some things. And I put the title, The Greatest Gift, in my notebook. And I began to put some notes and things are running through my mind. Man, we can go unto unto us, the Son is given. We can, and lo, shepherds abiding in the fields. And man, I can study in Luke and I can pull out that story and I can go to Isaiah and, you know, wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. And man, you can study in Isaiah the prophecy that's there. And man, that'd be a great encouraging message. And so I'm putting some notes down and riding and about two and a half three days later I was at my desk studying I don't really remember what led me to first Corinthians chapter 15 I don't really remember why I was in this passage but I was studying in this passage and for those of you that have ever written a Sunday school lesson preached a message taught a lesson anything you know what it's like it doesn't matter if it's three in the morning and the Lord wakes you up or if it's the middle of the day and the Lord begins to speak Paul and I've talked about this a lot when the Lord Speak so fast you can't type fast enough. Man, I mean, you're putting it down and you're jotting down a note here and you're like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's, and the Lord's just giving you stuff and giving you stuff. And, man, in my mind, I'm about two-thirds of the way through the message and I'm already trying to think of a title and I'm thinking ahead into next year's message when God says, no, this is the greatest gift. This is the 24th. This is the one that you... Ask me for. So this is what I know God has for us this morning. John chapter 19, Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. Wait a minute, man. We're at Bethlehem. What are you doing at the cross? Well, I told you a couple weeks ago, if it hadn't been for the cross, there never would have been a Bethlehem. If there had not been a need for the cross, there would have never been a need for a stable. So on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. That means the debt for sin was paid in full. That's what he told us. At the empty tomb, death was swallowed up to give us this everlasting life. You know, a lot of things never get finished. Y'all bear with me. My mouth's about dry, but that's all right, man. Them sinus pills are working good. I just don't have to cough, right? A lot of things get started and, and never get finished. And all the women said amen to that. Glory to God, you were talking about my husband. You know, you know it, th th there's, so, there's so many things that, that get going, but, but Jesus right here, he, he said it is finished. You know, we, we have Mount Rushmore. I've, I've read several articles. Some say it was never actually finished. Some say it was finished to the point it's going to be. But, but so I assume pronounced Gutzon Borglum was his name. Spent much of the last two years of the project traveling and working to secure additional funding. While he was away, his son Lincoln Borglum supervised the work on Mount Rushmore. March of 1941, as the final dedication was being planned, Gutzon Borglum died. This fact, along with the impending American involvement in World War II, led to the end of the work on the mountain. October 31st, 1941, Mount Rushmore National Memorial was declared a completed project. Now, I've read articles that said it was declared completed, but it's actually not a finished work. It was not everything it was supposed to be, but because of lack of funding and lack of interest, that's where the project was left off. So I read about another monument. This was called Crazy Horse. And talking about one of our, our Native Americans, but... 
It says at the time of construction started in 1948, the artist estimated that the work would complete in 30 years. So in 1978, it's going to be finished, right? As of 2022, there was no timeline for when the monument would be completed. However, the hand, arm, shoulder, hairline, and the top of the horse's head are estimated to be finished by 2037. Leonardo da Vinci, 1481, he began a painting called The Adoration of the Magi. A year later, he moved, and he never finished the painting. Many people say it's his greatest work. The, the greatest thing that he ever did is worth millions. See, ladies, we know what we're doing. We don't finish stuff. You just never know, right? If unfinished projects was, was worth millions, none of us would have jobs because we'd all be multi-billionaires. But, but think, about, think about the projects that never got finished. Phone calls that, that never got returned. You know that to-do list? We call them honeydew lists, but you can call them what you want. But, you know, the ones that part of the list got done and part of it, you know, there's that thing I've seen it several times. It pops up. You ladies need to look at it often. It's all over social media. It says, hey, if you told us we're going to get to it, we don't need to be reminded every six months. Yeah. So, so Jesus didn't have to finish the work. He chose to. That night in the garden when that arrest mob came out to arrest Jesus, and they said, are you Jesus? And he said, I am. And they all fell backwards, and they got up, and they went to arrest Jesus. And you know the story. Peter drew out his sword. He took a swipe, and he cut the ear off Malchus, the high priest's servant. And Jesus said, Peter, put up your sword. And then he healed Malchus's ear. But, but here's what he told Peter in Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my father? And he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels, but how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? Jesus is the only one who at the end of his life could say in John 17, 4, I've glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said that, that I, have, I have fought a good fight. He said, I have Finished my course. We're all going to finish our course. Hebrews 9, 27, so the point of the man wants to die. We're all going to finish our course. But Jesus didn't finish the course. Jesus finished the work. What was the work? It was to pay for the sin debt. It, it was to come and pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. So, so that, that was the work. It was the perfect life. It was the perfect example that, that ended with the cross. For six hours, Jesus hung there, saving the souls of one of the malefactors, crucified beside him while on the cross. While on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They, they know not what they do. Even on the cross, he was working about finishing the business. But then in, in John chapter 19, verse 30, the last thing that Jesus said as he looked out across the people was, It is finished. The text says that he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Greek word used there is teleo. It means to complete, to conclude, to accomplish, or to make an end. It comes from the word tetelestai. It means paid in full. It means I have finished the work. I have paid the debt 
for sin. The only other time we find that, that to tell us that I used is two scriptures earlier, John chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus knowing all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, now accomplished is to tell us die. In the day, that was a very popular word, well, for anybody that could actually pay their bills, because merchants would stamp your receipt. To, to have to tell us die paid meant that your debt has been completely settled. If you had to tell us die when you brought in your bill of sale and they wrote to tell us die, it meant that you don't owe any anything else is paid in full grammar is very important i know y'all don't think i think that from the way i talk but i can't help it i'm just as southern as i am but i I remember in bible college i had the option to take my secular college days and transfer english over to bible college so i wouldn't have to take these courses and that was very tempting because i hate english and history i'm just not that guy I don't like anything about school, period, but I'm a math and science guy if you got to do it. But for one, in Bible college, I, I had never made on a test paper anything lower than a 94, and I can't say anything close to that about my secular college. I did good just to pass. And, and I didn't want to transfer that barely passing low B over here and mess things up. But the other was, is they talked about how in Bible college, the English was, was different. It wasn't just about nouns and adjectives and adverbs and those things. It was about picking out the most important parts of a sentence. It was taking sentence structure and breaking down the structure into, into what something is actually telling us. So I decided to take English courses in Bible college, and I'm very thankful that I did because it actually helps me a lot. See, this word to die in the perfect sense, it carries a meaning that an action has been completed with ongoing effects. An action has been completed with ongoing effects. I mean, it wasn't just once and done. It just, it just keeps on working. Barry would be good at that. So Barry is, is my pest control guy. He comes to the house. And he goes all around the perimeter of the house. And y'all know how they do when your pest control comes, right? They, they spray around the perimeter of your house and the wet areas and under the cabinets. And they, they, they put down that bug spray. And within seconds, it's dried up. You never know what's there. But, but for weeks, if any bug comes into your house, he crawls across that barrier. And the plan is he gets it on his feet and he's dead. So you don't have bugs in your house, right? You put something down with a great example for Christmas Eve, right? It, 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 it puts down something that has an, an ongoing uh, effect. It just, it just keeps on lasting. See, in this one word, Jesus assures us that the penalty of our sin is gone forever. If the sin of your past haunts you to tell us die, things that people won't forgive you for, things that happened back when, in years before, things that were at disagreements, whatever they are, to tell us die. The things that the devil keeps throwing up in your face every time you think you're going to work in a ministry, or you're going to sign up, or you're going to volunteer, and you know you can't do that. Well, you're no Christian. Well, you're no good. You know what you've done in your past. All of the things, all the mistakes, all the, all the filth, all the failure to tell us die. Paid in full now and forever. Take a piece of paper. You don't have to do this. Just, 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 just do this mentally. Number one, there's not enough paper for me to do this. There's not enough books. There's not enough room. But, but mentally, take, take out a piece of paper and write down everything you've ever done wrong. All, all your sins, all, all of your failures, every evil thought, 
every evil deed, every evil imagination of the heart, every unkind word spoken, every time you've done somebody wrong, take out everything that you have ever done wrong in right to tell us die. Paid in full. That's what Jesus did for us at Calvary's cross. Everything of our past is paid, but, but, but that's not all. That's not all. See, it's not just the sins of our past. Because in John chapter 8, when the Pharisees found that woman in adultery, and they brought her and they threw her down at the feet of Jesus, they said, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. That's not the sins of her past. That, that's not yesteryears. That's not what happened before she was married. That, that, that's not something that was two or three years ago, and she and her husband were working their way through it. They, they said, we found her right now. We caught this woman in the very act, and we brought her out in all of her sin and all of her nakedness and all of her shame, and they threw her down at the feet of Jesus, and they said, Moses in the law commanded that, that such be stoned. But what sayest thou? The Bible tells us, thank you, ma'am, I appreciate it. You put that right there. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. The, <clears throat> the Bible tells us that Jesus stooped down, and he began to write in the sand. Now, we don't know what he wrote. There's a lot of speculation. we got some things that we portray in the Easter play, like he might have wrote down some of the sins of the Pharisees. Maybe he wrote down something about Nicodemus who was there on the scene. And we don't know. He may have drawn a picture. We don't know. We just know that the Bible tells us that, that they said this woman ought to die. The law says in the law of Moses that she is to be stoned. What do you say? And he begins to write in the sand. That's what we know. But we also know this. He wrote in the sand for a little bit. And then he got up and he looks around at the Pharisees. And they've got on all their royal garb. They've got on all their hats and their phylacteries on their borders. They're all dressed up in their please, everybody, and all their smug. And, and he looks around and he says, you're right. You're right. That's exactly what the law of Moses said. The law of Moses says that such a one should be stoned. So here's what I want you to do. He that is among you without sin, let him be the first to cast a stone at her. And he knelt down and he went back to writing in the sand. So they became convicted of their own sin. Anybody in here without sin? Anybody in here ready to cast the first stone? So they became convicted of their own sin. They began to throw their stones down one by one, probably close to the woman that she's flinching, maybe at the feet of Jesus. But nonetheless, they throw all their stones down, and they're, and they're all angry. And then Jesus, in a few minutes, he looks around, and he gets back up again, and all the men are gone. I believe the woman's looking at the ground crying. Anybody believe that? I believe she's humiliated. I believe she's devastated. I believe everything about her. I mean, she's more than just a want-to-get-away commercial. She's like, I'd be better off to just die right now and it all go away. I believe she's looking at the ground. I believe she's crying. I believe she's brokenhearted. And I believe that Jesus reached down and put his hand on her chin. And he lifted her face up from the ground. And he said, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? I believe she's probably trembling when she looks around, expecting the first stone to hit and knowing what Jesus said. And she looks around and she says, no man, Lord. Jesus said, see, see, I, I, I want to make sure you don't miss this. I, I want to make sure you, you understand this before I read that passage. Because there was one present who had no sin. Jesus. 
There is one present at this scene who has committed no sin and can cast the first stone and condemn this woman. And after that, everybody else can pitch in. The one who was present who could have cast the stone said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go. Sin no more. See, the, the, the one who came in the sinner's defense stood between her and judgment. It's the same thing. It's a picture of what he's going to do on Calvary's cross when he's going to hang between you and I in judgment. It's the same thing he's going to do at the the judgment seat of Christ when the devil brings all of his accusations for everything that, that we've done wrong. And he's going to stand between you and I in all of our guilt, not things the devil accused us of, things that we really did. And he's going to hang between us in judgment. And he's going to stamp my receipt and yours to tell us die, paid in full, now and forever. So you know what you can do? That list that you wrote down, everything you've ever done wrong in your past and all the stuff that the devil throws in your face, you can take it back out. And you can write down the things that you're dealing with right now. You can write down everything in your life, every situation, everything that runs through your mind, every bad thought, every, everything you think against other people. You can write down everything in the sins of your present, and you can rewrite it. To tell us, die. Paid in full. All the sins of my past, paid in full. All the sins of my present, paid in full. But that's not the end of the gift. Our text says that death is swallowed up in victory. Anybody excited about that? Verse number 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. Strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody have victory? That's what Christmas is all about. We have victory. See, the power of sin is broken. It is, it is demolished. It is, it is erased forever. We find freedom because the sins of our past are paid in full. We, we have freedom because the sins of our present have been erased. We, we find freedom in the fact that the sins of our future have been settled in advance. The things you don't even know you're going to do wrong yet, God already knows about. They're already paid in full. The, the only one who, who could could pay the debt, went ahead and paid for every sin that we would ever do. He stamped our record to tell us die. Paid in full forever. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil. The grave couldn't hold the body of Jesus. And for that reason, it cannot hold the body of those who are in Christ Jesus. Anybody here in Christ Jesus? Anybody thankful for Bethlehem? Anybody thankful for a manger? Anybody thankful for a cross? Anybody thankful for an empty tomb? All of our debt to Telestai paid in full. The grave is defeated. Death has no sting. So that means that all sin for the child of God is erased. Forgiven, forgotten, cast into the sea of forgetfulness, separated as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again, to tell us die. Paid in full forever. That's our greatest gift. 
that the Son of God would step down out of heaven, take on the form of a man to pay my debt on my behalf. The greatest gift ever known is Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Everything is about Jesus Christ. Everything is about the gift. The question on a Christmas Eve Sunday morning is, do you have the gift? Tim, come on to the piano, brother. Do you have live stream, YouTube, or do you have the gift? You know, somebody can offer you a gift, and if you don't take the gift, it does you no good. Somebody can offer you lots of money as a gift. If you don't take it, it does you no good. The only way a gift works for you is to receive the gift, open the gift, and use the gift. God sent a gift called Jesus Christ. Yes, we celebrate his birth tomorrow that he came here for us. But that gift does you no good if you don't receive the gift. Man, I'm, 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 I'm begging you. You're here on Christmas Eve. You probably have the gift. You're here because you're excited about being here. You've been looking forward to this Sunday morning. Maybe out there, I don't know. Somebody may have landed here because you're just here to please somebody else. Somebody wanted you to come, and that's why you're here. That's the only reason I was in church, because there's a little blonde-headed girl wanted me to go to church. That was many, many moons ago. Thank you very much. Thank you for being so persistent. Anybody have anybody persistent in your life that just wouldn't stop? Like praying moms and begging girlfriends that just kept on. But it was all about the gift. If you've never received the gift, don't let Christmas go by without it. It's up to you to, to, to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's up to you to ask for the Father to forgive you of your sins and write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's up to you to receive the gift. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, the Apostle Paul said, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The Word of God tells us, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That, that's a promise. It's a promise that can't be broken. It's all up to us. But you know, Christmas has become this, this time of, of giving of gifts. And you know, everybody in reality is especially the women who do the majority of the shopping. Thank y'all. Everybody's been running around to and from and trying to find the gift. You, you've done... Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Psychedelic Tuesday and Wonderful Wednesday and everything you can. And you've been trying to think of that, that one perfect gift to get to somebody that's already got everything, right? Anybody here been trying to decide a gift to get for somebody? What do you get them, right? And so we've been through all this running around and all the shopping. You've been to stores. You've, you've looked on every website. Where, that's why we got glasses. We're stone blind from looking at them phones so much and, and trying to find all this stuff. And, and, and the reality is, the whole reason for Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ. What did you get, Jesus? Has it even crossed our mind? What am I going to give Jesus? That, what, what, is the, what is the one thing that, that I want to do? We're, we're going to go travel and we're going to go to places. People are on planes right now. People are traveling all over the country and around the world because it's Christmas and they're going to carry gifts and they're going to go visit. But, but the whole reason for the season is Jesus. What did you get, Jesus? What do you have 
that you can offer Jesus? What can you go buy him that's worth anything? What, what can you go get him? You, the, the most expensive thing, diamonds, jewelry, means nothing to him. He comes from a place where the dust is gold dust. Crystal sea. Walls of jasper and onyx and gates of pearl. You can't buy anything pleasing. You do have something, though, that is very, very valuable to God. And, and that is the only thing you have to offer that is pleasing to him, and that is your praise. See, when we offer praise, heaven listens. God inhabits the praises of his people because God loves praise. At any point in all of our shopping and all of our planning and all of our gathering and getting together with families, at any point in our destination of time, have we stopped and planned out a time to when I want to offer a gift to Jesus? I just want to offer some time of praise to my Lord and Savior for his birthday. Most of us probably haven't put that time allotment in. We've got everything where we're going to be the rest of the week. We know what the day holds. We know what tomorrow morning is supposed to be. We know where we've got to be tomorrow night, whose house we've got to be at Tuesday, where we've got to be Thursday, what town we're going to be in Saturday. Most of us have got all of our plans laid out. But if you look carefully in those plans, and nowhere in there was there a slot place that said, this is the time that I'm going to set aside, and I'm going to offer the only gift that really matters in this season is my gift of praise to the only one worthy. His name is Jesus. I want to ask you guys to stand. I understand COVID, flu, RSV, testing, all, all stuff's going on. I understand. I understand. The altar's an amazing place. And I want to ask you if you want to use the altar to tell Jesus, thank you, it's an incredible place. But I know the bugs is going around. I understand if you'd rather do it right where you are. But for all you know, the person standing beside you's got it anyway, right? So the altar's always open, always will be. Tim's going to sing a song. We're going to do one more after this one. Tim's going to sing a song. Can we just take a few minutes and just tell him thank you? Has God been good to anybody in here? Anybody have anything to say thank you for? Anything to praise him for? Can we just take a few minutes on Merry Christmas and say happy birthday, Jesus? Just spend a few minutes and tell him thank you. Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that He would give His only Son to make this wretch His treasure, and how great the pain. Bye. 
sins upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the incredibly good to us amen in spite of all that 2023 held and been a lot of pain and been lost been a lot of stuff God's been good to us and he's still working preparing a place that one day one day all pain all suffering everything will end we'll be in his presence forever so Larry's been wanting us to do this song look what the Lord has done Lord done anything for you in your life can, can we sing that before we go? Y'all got to sing it loud because Larry is all the way over at the hospital and I don't know if live stream's on since he ain't here and then Mike and Kathy's got COVID so I don't know if they're over there so I don't know what's on and what's not on. But I know one thing, God's been good. Let's sing it, brother.
Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me, oh, just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. Each day is just the same. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. He touched my body. He healed my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, I'm going to praise his name. Each day is just the same. Come on and praise him. Look what the Lord has done. Thank you so much, Father, for all that you've done, God. Thank you for grace that never stops giving, for mercy that has no measure. Thank you for blessings, Father. And Lord, you're, we truly are the evidence of your goodness all over our lives, God. We truly are the promises and the fulfillment of promises all over our life, God. We truly are standing here, God, unable to comprehend how much you love us in spite of us, God. We just want to praise you. We just want to tell you thank you, God. Lord, if we had nothing else to thank you for, we can thank you for to tell us, die. My debt is paid in full, and we have a home waiting in glory because of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much in the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Love